All right. Okay, we're on. We're live. Wow, it's so good to see all of you. Um, you know, I, I've been coming to uh, Point of Grace for about six years. Uh, when we first moved from California, uh, you guys had your own building, you know, closer to the coast. And, uh, and, and I've seen now, you know, after, um, you know, uh, our previous pastor here, you know, has uh, uh, retired and he's passed it on to Pastor Norbert. It's a new generation, a new day. You know, and uh, we have to celebrate that, right? Amen? Uh, and so, you know, let me just tell you a little bit about myself, because Pastor Norbert said, uh, you know, many of you don't know Converge, okay? And many of you probably don't even know who I am. And, and I'm nobody. I'm just like, you know, you, okay? But I pastored uh, churches in California. We had, um, my wife and I, uh, we were both born in the Philippines. We immigrated to the United States very early. Um, I came with my family in 1970. We settled in San Francisco, California. I grew up there. It was a really rough time. I, I've shared that in the past. I'll share it with you in the future. But uh, we got married at, at age 20. We got involved in the youth ministry. And God had been working in our hearts and called us into the ministry. By age 24, we planted our first church. And uh, we didn't even know anything, okay? But we were so passionate about God, and we really wanted to make his, known, his name known to all the world. And we wanted to reach our generation. We were part of a more traditional church, and uh, they, we sang hymns, and uh, very traditional, which is okay. But when I would bring my family and friends to the church, they would say, Ernie, you're okay, but, but why do you go to this church? Because it was so difficult for them to fit into the culture. And so we said, we're going to plan a church for our generation so we can reach people at, at our age, you know. And, uh, and so we did that. And uh, so we planted our first church. It took us six years to grow to over 200. And then we went through a split. It was like a heartache. It was like um, a divorce, Pastor. I mean, they say it takes seven years to heal from a divorce. So we had such heartache. And uh, during that time, we, we ended up going to... Um, uh, to, to my, my mother and father's church, which was a converged church. Well, back in the day, it was Baptist General Conference. It was the Filipino-American Evangelical Church of Sacramento, okay? And, and that's a long name, okay? But that was the name of the church, or Philam Church. And so we, we went there for a couple of years after the split. We got healed, and then we planted our third church. The third church, uh, we started with just two families, it was just me and another pastor in our families, and uh, God blessed us. We, we had a launch team of 65 people. We really worked hard, and at our grand opening, we had 289 people come to the church, and uh, the church just grew, and like within a couple of years, we were like five, 600 people, and God blessed us there, and we learned, and we grew, and then, uh, you know, I was bivocational. I never took a salary from the church. I just wanted to really bless the church, and I, I worked originally at Intel Corporation. I worked there for seven years, and then I got into real estate with my father because I needed more flexible time, and God blessed that. And then my father had a stroke, and, uh, and I took over the company, and uh, the church just kept growing during that time. But, but God was reminding me of my first commitment to him, my first love, right? You guys remember what, what it means to have your first love? It means that it's not what you do, 
It's about really caring about God and putting him first in your life. And sometimes we forget that. And so this is a really good theme to reimagine what, what the church could be, reimagining your life and what God is calling you to do. And so after we, we went through all of this, my wife had a stroke also, and uh, it was a miracle. She had an aneurysm and completely healed, no deficits. And the Lord was telling us that we needed to give everything. We, need, we, we, we shouldn't hold anything back because many of us hold back. Come on, if we're, we're honest, we have more to give to the Lord, but we hold back. We say when we're retired or when the kids get bigger and we don't have as much responsibility, then I will give to the church. But we're holding back. God wants more. You know what? God wants your whole life. And so that's what God was doing with us. He, he wanted our whole life. And so after Daisy had the, the stroke, um, the, the, the Evangelical Church of Sacramento, the Filipino-American Church, reached out to us because we had, uh, we had been still associated with Pastor Phil Tomboboy. He also um, was going through cancer. And he, they, the church asked me to come leave the church of a thousand where I was the associate pastor. I was uh, really helping to grow the church. And they said, would you come help us? And so we felt really obligated and called by the Lord because that church helped us in our time of need. And so we accepted to be an interim, you know, pastorate to help the church. And, um, and when we went, the Lord was really telling us to stay there. And so we started growing the church. It was about 86 people, um, great, great congregation. They loved the Lord. We had lots of nurses. Any nurses here? I, I think we had like, I don't know, eight to ten nurses and medical people and professionals. It was a very good church. They loved the Lord. They were giving. But, but they loved just being Filipino and being part of a Filipino church. And I told them, if we're going to succeed in what God wants us to do, we have to reach the friends of our children. Because if we don't reach the friends of the children, we're going to lose our children in this generation because they will be called out of the church. They won't stay in the church. So we won't be able to reflect the community because the church should reflect the community that we are in. And so what happened? Uh, we changed the name from uh, the Filipino Evangelical Church of Sacramento to Ignite Community Church. And so it's a little shorter, okay? We should have just said Ignite Church, okay? That would have been much shorter, okay? But, but the church grew, and we changed things. And I, I see what you guys are doing now. You guys are going through the changes, and change is hard. Can you guys say that out loud? Change is hard. Okay, let's just be honest. It is. Because those of us who've grown up in the church, we don't like anything to change. We like it to be comfortable. Especially those of us who've been in the church for a long time. We want to stay the way we are. But the reality is, we've got to pass it on to the next generation. And the church is always changing. Not our doctrine. Not, not what we stand for. Not our Lord and Savior, not the Bible. It never changes. But how we do church needs to change for the next generation. Because what we've seen in the pandemic, the church has to change. 
because we see some of our weaknesses. And the church in America is in decline. 80% of the churches are either at a plateau or in decline. 80%. Now, there's 15% that are growing. 15%. Only 15 out of 100 are growing in America. They surveyed 450,000 churches, and only 15% are growing. 4%, they say, are planning churches. Only 4% are planning churches. But, but the reality is, out of the four, 2% are planning churches because they had a split. Okay, so, you know, I, so yes, they're planning churches, but not always intentional. And then the last group is only 1% that are trying to multiply the movement by planning more and more churches. Not, not onesies, twosies, but trying to multiply lots of churches. So let me just tell you a little bit about Converge. Converge is a family of churches. Um, it was originally called the Swedish Baptist Conference. Say that out loud. Swedish Baptist Conference. And then look around. We're Filipinos, right? I have to tell you, they did a great job as immigrants. They won their people. The churches used to be in Swedish, okay? If you went to some of the original churches, they would speak Swedish. And then, you know, they changed the name to Baptist General Conference, BGC, because it didn't reflect just Swedish people anymore. They succeeded. So they changed the name to BGC, Baptist General Conference. And then it continued to grow. And then we realized that it was not advantageous to always have Baptists in our name. Because if you go to other countries or other places, if you say Baptist, it's a negative thing. So some of our churches use Baptists, some of them don't. In fact, Converges ironic in the sense that we're trying to bring all kinds of churches together to get back to the basics of the Bible. So Converge is a really good name. We're coming together under the banner of the cross to fulfill the mission of the church to reach the ends of the earth. And so we have about 1,700 plus churches now in our movement in the United States. The Southeast has the Caribbean Okay, which is the only district that has the Caribbean. And we have merged with uh, Mid-America. I used to be the president of the Southeast and Caribbean. But now we're, to get, we're together with another district. And so there's a total of 10 districts. And so it's Mid-America, Southeast, and Caribbean. So we use now Converge MSC. So if you see Converge MSC, that's us. Okay, so we have um, almost 700 churches in our district. And so we're responsible to help the churches. So we have a vice president, Gary Rohrmeyer. We have a vice president of church planning. That's Danny Parmelay. We have a, a vice president of church strengthening. That's Brian Moak. And then I'm the vice president of church partnership. And, uh, and what my responsibility is to help with the affiliation of churches, to help with the ethnic ministries, that, that's the Filipino ministry, the Latino ministry, the African-American ministry, and uh, we don't have um, any, we have one Vietnamese church, but we don't have many, so we need to grow that. Um, and then I'm in charge of all of the Caribbean, you know, for church planning, church strengthening. And so I, I did just get back yesterday morning, you know, from the Dominican Republic. And, uh, and previously, the last week, I was in Haiti. In Haiti, I have to tell you, it's the hardest place in our hemisphere 
They, they have so much poverty, so much struggles. The president was execute, executed about a year and a half ago, and uh, they still don't have any new elected uh, president or any leaders that are elected. But I have to tell you, the church is growing. We have 260 churches in Haiti, um, almost 80,000 people in our churches, with the largest church about 10,000. We got to preach at the, the church here just last week, and they're doing great. If I can show you the pictures, you would, you would see like a coliseum, this, this church of 10,000. It's like a coliseum because there's no roof. Because in Haiti, it's like in the Philippines. You just start building, okay? And when you have the money, you finish it. So it may take 30 years for them to finish the building, but they will someday. But they will use it until the Lord comes. But God is doing a work among our churches. They're planning churches. So we have now, from the 260 churches, it's probably over 325, maybe 350 churches because they've been planning churches. We went to the Dominican Republic. And now uh, we, we, have about, um, we have about 15 churches in the Dominican Republic. But we're just about to affiliate a network of churches, about 100 churches, um, the president of Crew is the, the, the leader of this network in Santa Domingo, and they're looking, they just signed the papers, and so we're going to bring those churches into Converge. We have another network. Um, it's called Celebration Christian Church Network. They have 56 churches. Uh, the, 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 the leader's name is Jonathan and Atet. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm looking at him, and he looks Dominican, he speaks Spanish fluently. But he looks a little Filipino. And, and as we're talking with him, you know, this week, he said that, uh, yeah, his father is American. Uh, he was in the Navy, and his mom is Filipina. And, uh, and so he's half Filipino, leading churches in the Dominican Republic, okay, 56 churches. And so he's looking at joining us also. And he said in his church, there's, he said we have a lot of expats and a lot of Filipinos and a lot of Venezuelans. And he said, hey, come and visit us. Uh, come over, and his mom will cook us Filipino food. And I said, yes, we're coming next month. Okay, so, so I would love for this church to participate with us in the, in the Caribbean because God is doing a great work. You guys are a small church with a big heart, but you're part of a big movement that God is using to grow the kingdom of God. And we have many places to go. My wife and I, before we took the position here in, the, in, in Florida, you know, we were going to the Philippines every year. We we're trying to plant churches in the hardest regions. We we're going to Mindanao, to uh, General Santos, and to the mountains, trying to reach the indigenous Filipinos there. God is doing a work everywhere. And every time I went to the Philippines and we come back to the United States, I would feel a little homesick, you know. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? We, we come back and um, it just feels lonely, you know, because in the Philippines, everyone's outside, right? And here in America, there's no one outside. They're all inside the house, right? There's no one to see. But God has called us here to be missionaries. And so today, I want to talk to you about reimagining the church, reimagining your life and what God is calling you to do. And uh, we're going to read a passage here in just a little bit. But, but I think we got to talk about this. What does it mean to reimagine? Um, I, I think this is a, a, a good definition of um, imagining, uh, reimagining. It's, it's, um, it's a transitive verb, okay, which 
doesn't mean anything to me, okay? But that's what it says in the dictionary. It says this, to imagine again anew, to form a new concept, or to recreate. And I think it's talking about images, right? Images in your mind. I mean, when you think of Converge, maybe you didn't have a clue, but I've given you like a picture of Converge. Do you guys know that we have started, you know, other organizations around the world that are not necessarily called Converge? Our missionaries have gone to the Philippines. If you have ever heard of uh, BCP, Baptist Conference of the Philippines, that's Converge. We started 600 churches there, and, and they're a separate organi organization from us, but we're working with them. In Canada, they're still using BCP, Baptist Conference of Canada, okay? And so they're still using that. We've used Converge. We, you know, I have to tell you, even the Assemblies of God in Brazil, they say they looked into their history, and they said two missionaries that came from BCP or or um, Swedish Baptist Conference went down into the Amazon and they had converted many people and they started a movement and it became the Assemblies of God in Brazil. Okay, so we, we even have helped other organizations form. And, and the reality is there is only one church. Amen? You guys agree with that? There's only one church. God has created one church for all of us who are believers in Christ to be a part of. And so we have to imagine ourselves part of the bigger church. Yes, we're part of Point of Grace, we're part of Converge, but we're really part of the greater church in the world. And God is calling all his people to work together for the, prop, for the prospect of being able to reach everyone that God is calling into his family. So we all have these pictures in our minds, images of, of what we think about our life and about the church. Um, do you guys know, know that God knows us better than we know ourselves? You know, God knows how we think and what we, the whole Bible is all about images. It's all about word pictures to, to help us understand that, that the big picture of God. So all the stories, all the prophecies, all the parables is to give us a picture, an image of what God is trying to do with the people here on earth. The whole Old Testament points to the coming of, of Christ Jesus, our Savior. The Old Testament is also called the schoolmaster. It teaches us the elementary teachings of God. The New Testament tells us of the coming of Christ, the establishment of the church, the letters correcting the church, and the book of Revelation showing, again, that Christ is going to come for his family, for the church. And we need to be ready for that. So let's stand in the reading of God's word. We're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. I'm going to read it in the ESV, English Standard Version. But would you guys just, um, just listen, maybe close your eyes and just listen to these words. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated in the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on th things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See all these images, see all these images that God is raising us with Christ, and that he will come back for us for his church, 
It says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In, in these you two once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which Indeed, you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the, the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with the thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, as we get into your word, Lord, as we imagine you and how we fit into your big picture, allow us, Lord, to just melt in, into your arms and allow us, Lord, to just give our whole heart to you, not just a piece of our life, not just this hour or two here on Sunday morning, but let us give our whole life to you and dedicate our life because you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be followed, and you've given us something greater than this life, which is eternity in heaven with you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful image. And we're going to go into this, and we'll, we'll expand this a little bit. But we all have to reimagine imagine God's purpose for our lives, for our church, and for our movement converge, how we can reach the ends of the earth. How are we going to accomplish that task? You know, God has gifted many of you to be part of this church. All of you have been given a spiritual gift, and you have to do your part. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to do your part. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, you got to do your part. Okay. <laughs> when we don't do our part, the church is handicapped. When we all are doing our part and we're using our spiritual gift, the church is enhanced and it's strong and is able to do the things that God is calling us to do. And then it says in Ephesians that we've been given gifts. And so some of the gifts that we've been given are our leaders. You know, Pastor Norbert and his family, it's a gift to the church because they're willing to take on the leadership role. I have to tell you, I've, I've pastored four different churches, and now I pastor pastors, and we have over 700 churches in the district that I'm responsible for. 
And I, t- I have to tell you, it's hard. Pastor Norbert, I know you know it's hard, okay? In fact, what the Bible says is those of us who've been called into leadership will sacrifice. And I have to say, that's not just for pastors, but that's for all of us who are willing to serve him. You will sacrifice. You will suffer for the Lord. Amen? Okay, now, now we're not masochists. We don't want to suffer if we don't have to, right? Amen? We, we don't want to suffer. Turn to your neighbor. I don't want to suffer if I don't have to. <laughs> but, but if we have the opportunity to, for God's glory, we should. Because all that we need is to have Christ in our life. Because he's given us eternity. I don't know about you if you've really given your heart fully to the Lord. Because if you do, he will take your life and use it. He will take you to places you've never, ever imagined. When I go to Haiti and my mom hears about that I'm going to Haiti, she'll call me and say, Anak, why are you going? Right? She'll say, why are you going? It's so dangerous in Haiti. I said, Mom, I have to. It's our job. It's, It's to spread the gospels, to help the churches, to help the pastors. Because if we don't do this, who else will? Turn to your neighbor and say, if not us, who? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's you. (laughs) It's you. It's you. We have been given the responsibility for our time to reimagine what we can do for God's glory. Amen? Pastor Jimenez has given his life for this church, to plant this church. I mean, the establishment of this Filipino congregation is an amazing thing. Do you guys know how difficult it was for them to plant this church? The sacrifices that they had to go to. I, I, I see some of our, my sister here who's been with this church for a long time. There's a lot of sacrifices that you guys paid to have this church established. We need to continue to sacrifice for the next generation. Because if not who? If not us, who will do it? So Pastor Norbert has said yes to the call. You've been here now, Pastor, three years? Three years. Let's, let's give him a big hand and to his family. You know, I, I have to tell you, it's very, very difficult to plant churches. So when my wife and I planted our first church and it had a split after six years, after getting to 200 people, Man, it was hard. And I, I told my wife, Let's, we're going to plant another church. She said, no, we're not going to plant any more churches. But she agreed. We planted our second church. And because that was from the split, it didn't work. So we had to close that second church. And then we went to Pastor Phil Tombobo's church, the Phil M. Evangelical Church of Sacramento. And we stayed there for two years. God healed us. And then God gave us the the vision, a new vision after we healed to plant a new church. And my wife said yes to that, okay, after she had already said no more churches, okay. We've done it. We've sacrificed. She said yes again, and we planted that church, and the church grew to a thousand. It took us us over ten years, but it grew to a thousand, okay. And then God called us into, you know, back into the Filipino Evangelical Church of Sacramento, which is Ignite Church. And we were able to grow that, and we had five congregations 
that we had planted and was part of our church. It was hard. Would you guys say out loud? It's hard. It's hard. The pastors in Cuba, the pastors in the Dominican Republic, the pastors in Haiti and throughout the whole Caribbean, they always say, it's hard. Okay, it's hard. It's hard to be a pastor. It's hard to be a leader. But we will sacrifice for the glory of God. Okay, with all the struggles that they're facing without, uh, without means, they're planning churches, they're building buildings, they're seeing lives change. Last year in, in Haiti, with some of the churches that are participating with the Timothy Initiative, we had over 2,100 salvations from just the work that some of those churches were doing. And so I want you to know we can make a difference and we can change the life. So I just want you to have this new image in your mind that God has called you as believers to pass it on to the next generation. We have to pass it on to the next generation. We got to give it. We got to give it all. We, we, we can't hold back any longer. I had so many, uh, so many of the nurses would say, when we, when we retire, we will help the church. I, you know, I didn't say anything then. I should have. Okay, I should have told them. Don't wait till you retire. You'll be, you'll be sadly mistaken. You have wasted your life, and you would have said, I wish I did it when I was young. Amen? Amen. Amen. While you're young, plant churches. While you're young, share the gospel. See, lives changed. I mean, you know, my wife and I, we, we've been married. We're going to be married 38 years in June, okay? So, so, yeah, thank you, thank you. 38 years struggling in the ministry, working, trying to figure out how we can share the gospel. But now we can look back and say, hey, it was all worth it. It was worth it. When we see some of our youth that have become leaders and they're pastors now, some of the leaders that I've trained, they're church planning directors and they're part of the movement and, and they're, they're planning churches. It's, it's amazing that, that God has used us in that way because I was not a good kid, okay? I, I got into a lot of trouble when I was in high school. And I, you know, even Daisy's mom, my mother-in-law, she didn't think I was going to amount to much, okay? She said, it's not going to last, okay, is what, what my mother-in-law said. But she was wrong because God transformed my life for me to give it all. Amen. God can transform your life if you give it all. And he'll allow you to do great and marvelous things for his glory, for his glory. Because he wants to show that through your weakness, you know, he can show his greatness through your obedience and following him. Amen. And so I just want you to know, give your all to the Lord. And so as we read this passage in, uh, in Colossians chapter 3, it's talking about character. It's talking about character. You have been transformed by the Holy Spirit. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. You are no longer who you used to be. Okay, I, I was involved in Filipino gangs in, in San Francisco. We got in a lot of trouble. We stole cars. We did drugs. We, we stole from people. And we even fought other Filipinos. Okay, other Filipino gangs, and we fought, and people died, and it was, it was a terrible thing. There's no glory in any of that. But I want you to know, 
God can change your life. And he can use you no matter what. No matter what you've done, you've never gone too far that the Lord can come back and take you, transform you, and use you for the kingdom. Amen? And uh, if, if you want to go see the world, don't do it on vacation. Do it on mission trips, okay? Go, go see what God is doing. Uh, Daisy and I went to, to Africa and um, after we planted these churches, and uh, I thought maybe God is calling us to a new season. And we went to Africa. I was, I was working in Nigeria, and then we went to Zimbabwe. And uh, in Zimbabwe, we said, Lord, if, if you would let us stay here, we can be missionaries in Zimbabwe because my wife said yes to that, okay, which I was amazed. She said yes. But you know what the Lord said? It's too easy in Africa. You have to come back to the United States. It's harder in the United States to share the gospel. Do you know that American churches are in decline? 80%, like we shared earlier. The the the. The attendance of church is less than 50% now in America. People are not coming to church. If you do church the way we've always done it, they're not going to come. Okay, we used to think if we build a nice building in a good location, people will just come to the church. They're not coming anymore. What we have to do is go to them and share with them the gospel. In fact, I used to tell that to the church, okay, my church, and they... They would say yes, but they would never do anything. They're Filipino, okay? If they, they would comply saying yes, but they wouldn't do it, okay? You know why? They didn't know how to make friends. All their friends and family were already in the church. There was no need to make new friends. There was no need to reach out to new people. I, I want to encourage you to reimagine your life in Christ Jesus being able to share the gospel because 85 to 90% of the people in church will never share the gospel, not even one time in their life. Think about that. Have you shared the gospel? Has someone come to faith because of your life? I, I don't want you to say it out loud. I know some of you want to, right? But most of us have not shared the gospel and we have not won someone to the Lord. And I'm not saying that to, to oppress you or to make you feel bad, but I want to encourage you to have the courage and to be strong in the Lord and to share the gospel and make new friends. Invite your family members. You know, we, we worked really hard to evangelize our family. A lot of them were Roman Catholic, like, like most Filipinos. My aunt pointed her finger in my face and said, do not try to convert the family. When I was young, when I was 24, she pointed at me and said, do not try to convert the family. I started converting the family anyway. And many of them came to faith. You have to struggle and share the gospel with even those who reject it. Your responsibility is not... For them to become Christian, your responsibility is to be obedient and share the gospel with them. What they do with it is up to them. But make it a point that you're responsible to share it. Because, you know, God can touch their hearts. I mean, God touched my heart. My friends could never imagine that I would be a pastor. They could never imagine. Okay, but... I'm on Facebook with them now. They're contacting me. 
And, and they said, what, are, what have you been up to, Ernie? I said, well, I'm, I'm here in the Dominican Republic, and I'm, 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 I'm bringing in churches, and we're working on evangelism. And they're like, what? What are you doing? I mean, I can't even believe that. I have a, a friend, you know, while I was there, uh, his name is Steve Batson. He's, he worked at Intel Corporation with me. We were very young, and he's retired now, and, you know, and he's a Christian. He, he attended my church, our first church, Horizon Christian Church. And, uh, and he's a believer, and he was just sending me pictures. And he was like, wow, God has used you in, in powerful ways. And, and, and I was humbled by that because, again, I imagined myself to be not so good of a Christian. And I put myself down sometimes. And I thought, I can't preach when I was young. I could never imagine preaching. But I had to reimagine myself under the banner of the cross for the gospel. And if you say, Lord, take my life, he will take your life and use it for his glory. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to be used of God. Okay, don't say that if you don't mean it, okay? <laughs> but if you mean it, tell your neighbor, I want to be used by God. Amen. I want to read this uh, passage because we do need to pass this on to the next generation, and I'm going to end with, with these, this passage here. Psalm 71, 16 to 18. It says this, With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, because I don't color my hair, so even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation your power to all those to come. This is our job, is to pass it on to the next generation. The church is for us, but for not, not just for us to keep, but for us to pass it on. So I pray for a point of grace to, to continue this new vision of reaching the next generation. Because if you want to honor Pastor Jimenez and the work they've done in the past, we got to pass it on to the next generation. Amen? And I know Pastor Norbert knows this is not his church. He's just responsible for this time to develop it, to develop you as leaders and followers of Christ so he can build up the church so we can do great things. And in heaven, we will hear... Wow. That's how you... God wants our attention right now. <laughs> Woo! But 29 years, you have struggled and you have been faithful. Let's continue the next 21, 29 years for the future and beyond. For a thousand generations, the stories of what you will do at, here in the Point of Grace Church will go on through eternity. And we will see the lives that have come to faith and the lives that have come through the people that we've touched come to faith and we will see in heaven a full array of people who have been touched by point of grace. Amen? Would you pray with me?
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this congregation. I pray for Pastor Norbert and his family. We pray that you put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, I pray for the leaders. I pray for the, the deacons and the elders and, and all the other leaders that are on, on, on this church board, Lord. I pray that you would help them, Lord, to be united. That, that you would help our hearts, Lord, be attuned. That, that we are just passing through. And this church does not belong to us, but is for your glory and for your honor. So we got to pass it on to this next generation. Allow us to put this image in our mind that we're just passing through and that we need to be good stewards of what we've been given. We pray now for blessing and favor upon this church. We pray this, Lord, in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you.